Uh, unfortunately, New Jersey uh, sometimes just makes the news when it's uh, politicians uh, engage in uh, flagrant corruption. We have a, another instance of that going on. Uh, uh, senior New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez uh, was indicted on corruption charges uh, by uh, uh, federal prosecutors on Friday. Uh, the details are pretty lurid. Involves uh, almost a half million dollars in uh, cash that was found at his home, uh, gold bars, uh, a, a Mercedes that apparently was uh, is alleged to have been uh, a part of a bribery scheme. Uh, it involved uh, Menendez uh, providing information uh, to Egyptian uh, government authorities uh, in return. Uh, a colleague of his uh, who had a who obtained a a monopoly on. Uh, uh, halal meat inspections in Egypt uh, uh, routed a lot of money uh, back to Menendez and his uh, wife, Nadine Menendez. Menendez, uh, up until a few days ago, was the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, so he had a huge say in where uh, uh, U.S. arms sales went around the world, including to Egypt, one of the U.S.'s uh, top client states in the Middle East uh, after Israel. Anyway, uh, quite uh, a squalid story unfolding there uh, with a lot of uh, important implications as well. And joining us today to help uh, uh, help us understand uh, what's going on. Well, actually, before we uh, go to Hector, um, uh, the support for Menendez among uh, congressional Democrats has been eroding dramatically today. A number of uh, senators came out and said, uh, that uh, Menendez should uh, resign from office while he uh, pursues uh, his right to a fair trial in court. And uh, we had, for example, uh, uh, Cory Booker, uh, the other senator from uh, New Jersey. Uh, he came out and said uh, Menendez had resigned. Uh, Booker had been a close ally of Menendez for many years. And uh, uh, as the New York Times wrote, uh, Mr. Booker, who testified as a character witness for Mr. Menendez, during his first corruption trial in 2017, said the, quote, shocking allegations of corruption uh, were hard to reconcile with the person I know. Well, Menendez also had a chance to speak on his behalf in a press conference yesterday. And uh, let's uh, hear what he had to say. The allegations leveled against me are just that, allegations. For anyone who has known me throughout my 50 years of public service, they know I have always fought for what is right. My advocacy has always been grounded in what I learned from growing up as a son of Cuban refugees. I firmly believe that when all the facts are presented, not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. Okay, so that was uh, senior New Jersey Senator Robert Menendez, now indicted on multiple federal corruption charges, speaking at a press conference yesterday defending himself. Uh, joining us now to help uh, make sense of all this is Hector Oseguera. He's an anti-money laundering specialist and formerly a candidate for Congress in New Jersey's 8th uh, district. He ran in 2020. Uh, that district is now represented uh, by Robert Menendez Jr., the son of the indicted senator. Uh, the New Jersey's 8th congressional district uh, uh, is in Hudson County in the area around uh, Jersey City and some of those other uh, towns and cities in northern New Jersey. Uh, Hector, welcome to 
the Independent News Hour. Hey, John. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much for covering this very important story. Oh, yes, uh, definitely. It's, it's great to have you back here on uh, WBAI. So first of all, uh, since you are an anti-money laundering specialist, you worked at uh, various international banks. Um, can you relate the work uh, that you do uh, to the kind of actions uh, that Senator Menendez is alleged to have engaged in? Absolutely. Uh, for your viewers who may not know, my nine to five is really spent uh, reviewing financial activity and trying to see if that financial activity is a, somehow related to money laundering. Money laundering is just a cute way of saying proceeds of a crime. So if you commit a crime, if you rob a bank or if you're give, given gold bars, you can't exactly walk into a bank and say, I'd like to deposit this gold bar. So you need to find a way of turning that gold bar into something that you can actually use. That process is called money laundering. And as I said, on a nine to five basis, I basically look at financial activity, trying to determine whether or not that activity is related to money laundering. Right. And, and your reaction uh, to Senator uh, Menendez saying he had nearly a half million dollars in cash and, as well as the gold uh, bars uh, lying around his house uh, because as a Cuban-American, he was still traumatized by the wealth confiscation that took place after Cuba's 1959 revolution. I mean, something that your viewers should all know is that Menendez's family actually fled Cuba in 56, uh, I believe, or a couple years before Castro took over. So he actually fled during Bautista. So his family actually has no uh, history of capital confiscation. And e even if that were true, which it, it just sounds ridiculous on its face, you know, a gold bar is not exactly going to fetch you much should you try to cross borders. So I'm not, I, I just don't think that uh, it's something that most people would take as an honest answer. I think he's just trying to cover for himself. And this is really indicative of the sort of political corruption that emanates from this part of New Jersey. Uh, an individual who hired an assassin related to uh, political corruption once said that Menendez was the most ruthless person he had ever met. So imagine that a guy who was hiring hitmen, and, and this is true, your viewers can look up the name Sean Cattle, who's serving 24 years for the sort of political corruption that ends up getting people murdered in Jersey City, New Jersey, once said that Bob Menendez was the most ruthless person he'd ever met. Wow. And uh, just as a note, um, our, our, our viewers are uh, actually listeners uh, li uh, listening along on uh, um, WBAI 99.5 FM on the radio dial and also uh, listening along uh, streaming on um, WBAI.org. Um, uh, maybe someday we'll have a televised version of this show as well. Um, so you started to talk uh, about uh, uh, the machine uh, politics in New Jersey, especially in northern New Jersey, which is uh, historically uh, Menendez's power base. Uh, can you talk about why uh, machine politics continues to be uh, so strong in New Jersey and how someone like Menendez has been able to flourish over a nearly 50-year career in public office, even after being indicted on corruption charges in 2015, which he was not exonerated for, is simply the ended up having a split jury that couldn't agree whether to convict him or not. Indeed. So the way that North Hudson politics works, 
more closely resembles a feudal state or the way that Menendez would describe a state like Cuba or Venezuela, that's the way our government works, which is essentially a small group of people. You receive government contracts and dole them out to their friends. Those friends then give back in the form of campaign contributions that go towards keeping these people in office essentially perpetually. And so this sort of game includes a very small number of very powerful political figures who determine how government contracts get doled out. That becomes a power base of regular voters who will never, ever turn against these people. They're mostly public servants like teachers or firefighters or police officers who work in the municipalities and are basically, in a way, extorted and made to believe that their job security is dependent on the proliferation of this system, such as you must go and vote for these candidates. You must donate to your local politician. And if you don't, you might notice that your career stagnates if you seek to be a public servant anywhere in North Jersey. That becomes a power base that becomes a very formidable machine. You know, these people, they do things wrong. And and certainly this game is very corrupt, but they do it very well in that they can amass a number of people on a given basis to vote for literally anyone, even someone who's a twice indicted corrupt senator. Right. And this this kind of machine politics, obviously, uh, the Democrats in New Jersey have engaged in it for uh, decades. But also uh, when you had Republicans in power, like former Governor Chris Christie, uh, uh, he was uh, pretty corrupt, too, and, and used all sorts of hardball tactics uh, against people he saw as his rivals. So. It seems to be a, a bipartisan thing over there. Absolutely. I mean, the the party game is essentially a game of capital. Whoever cozies up to the special interests, the real estate, the pharmaceutical interests, uh, the insurance interests, those people will be elevated no matter what party they come from. It just so happens that, you know, Senator Menendez has been, you know, the sole voice essentially of our Cuba policy since Biden's election. So he had a very powerful position and this position itself, uh, it matters a lot. You know, being in the Senate, he's been responsible for millions and millions of dollars of government contracts. And, you know, there's a saying that the times you get caught are just a small percentage of the times that you did something and got away with it. So we're coming up on this issue now, but we don't know how many times uh, other sort of deals went to people who were related or somehow connected and, and we just never knew about it. Right. And uh, can you uh, talk about uh, how this scandal uh, is fracturing uh, the political machine in Jersey and uh, who all is uh, circling around uh, Menendez uh, uh, angling for his job? Should he, uh, you know, ultimately uh, resign or otherwise uh, be ushered out of office? Yeah, so there's been a seismic shift in New Jersey politics on a near hourly basis. Um, a couple of people have jumped into the Senate race uh, to succeed Menendez. He is not going to resign. I don't see him resigning. I mean, that's my prediction that he will not resign because he's just so brazen. And in his mind, if he were to resign, it would be sort of a tacit admission of Gil. And, you know, these people, he feels like he did nothing wrong. He, in his mind, he did nothing wrong. So he's not going to resign is my prediction. But there are several very powerful political figures who want his Senate seat. Now, 
on top of that, you have the Hudson County machine, which is in charge of the congressional seat that you that I ran for, now occupied by Menendez Jr. And there have been rumblings that powerful political figures in Hudson County may try for that seat, one being the mayor of Hoboken, Ravi Bala. One challenge that he'll face is that the congressional district is a very intentional Hispanic gerrymander. So the towns that are cut in and cut out of the district are specifically because they have a high Hispanic population to such an extent that a town like Jersey City is cut in half in the congressional district between this district and the 10th district, the 10th district being the predominantly black gerrymander um, and the Hispanic parts falling into the district where I live. Uh, so now there are some rumblings of people who will try to fight for or may try to fight for that congressional seat as well. Do you have any interest in running for Congress again? You ran for that seat in 2020 uh, when it was occupied by uh, 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 Albo uh, Suarez, the predecessor to Menendez Alvio Sierras, who was, in fact, my hometown mayor in West New York when I was growing up. And so I knew all about uh, him when I ran. You know, to, to, to your question, I think that a good progressive should uh, rise up and challenge for the seat. I think that this is a pivotal time. We're seeing, like I said, huge seismic shifts in the political world in New Jersey. Personally, I'd like to see a good progressive get into that seat, whether it's me or whether it's somebody who can do that job better. It's, it really doesn't matter as long as there's a strong progressive fighting for that seat. I think that will be a huge win. I think we have a huge uh, bench of very capable progressives here in Hudson County. And, you know, th- it shouldn't be this space shouldn't be occupied by one voice or one person. I think we should open it up to as many voices want to get into this uh, conversation as possible. And like you said, democracy is a good thing. So we want to hear from everybody. The The problem with the Hudson County machine is that, you know, it's, it's like a mafia. They only speak in one voice and that's the only voice anybody's allowed to speak. You know, the the thing that progressives bring to the conversation is, you know, you're allowed to have your say. You can bring differences of opinion and we'll hear you out and we'll try to come to a consensus between all the views that are expressed. That's what democracy is all about. And that's what I'd like to see happen in Hudson County and in New Jersey going forward. And uh, you mentioned the racial gerrymanders that were deliberately constructed in uh, New Jersey congressional districts eight and ten. Do you think that could be part of the problem or in that the whoever ends up getting elected from that group uh, feels like they can just sort of take all of their constituents uh, for granted? Uh, if, if you had a sort of a more uh, heterogeneous uh, group of voters, you might get a different dynamic. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel that this gerrymander you know some people might say well it gives at least you get representation representation matters right but in my mind what it does is it gives the machine the opportunity to tokenize people and to put up somebody who's not going to express a difference of opinion from them but just somebody who will express their viewpoint but have a different a different hue of skin and and you know we don't want black and brown oppressors essentially we don't want people to uphold the establishment but to look like us we want people who are going to actively do things to benefit working class people and not just you know use us 
as as a token of well at least who got representation we want representation that actually matters mm. and can you talk about the the ballot line in new jersey uh sort of a unique uh setup that's used over there and why you and other progressives see that as so problematic and and uh, whether that could uh, change anytime soon yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that you asked that question because it's a really in the weed sort of mechanism that's used in New Jersey. But what we have is called the county line. And what that essentially does is that candidates are put together on a ballot forming a, an unbroken column, uh, from the top. So essentially at the top, you'd have the president. So Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or somebody running for president. And at the bottom, you would have hyper local seats like county level commissioner, um, which is like a county level legislator in New Jersey. And what this does is it gives the establishment the opportunity to give voters a false impression that somebody like Joe Biden has endorsed the local candidates. And what you do is that you essentially benefit from downstream effects of all the voters do is you see this unbroken column of candidates and most voters vote for all those candidates now if you're somebody like me if you're running against the establishment they put you in a different part of the ballot off to the side in a broken column where there will either be no candidates above you or no candidates below you such that if you were to see the ballot and i really uh would encourage uh, all your listeners to look up a ballot in Hudson County, New Jersey, and you'll see a column of establishment candidates, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, Barack Obama. And going down, you'll have someone like uh, Cory Booker or Senator Menendez. Then you would have a congressional candidate like Albio Ciaras, all the establishment candidates going down to the local level in an unbroken column. And it, it basically benefits from a psychological effect called the primacy effect. That the if you are given a set of options, the first one that you see has a statistical benefit to, you know, this it might not occur in an, every single individual instance. But once you take it over thousands or tens of thousands of instances, you get a specific uh, effect. And the effect is that voters, by and large, vote down the county line and all voters, you know, or not all voters, but a huge majority of voters vote down the unbroken column, which is all establishment candidates. It's been written in academic papers that just being on the county line benefits a candidate, random candidate, 35% extra of the vote. So you could put Mickey Mouse on the county line and they would have a 35% benefit going into the election over any other candidate appearing on a different part of the column for the same position. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, quite a head start. And of course, uh, six years ago when Menendez was up for re-election after his first corruption trial, uh, all the uh, Democrats in New Jersey who are now uh, throwing him uh, off the boat uh, rallied in his support, and he, uh, he was on those uh, county lines. Um, so where do you, uh, last of all, before you have to go here, uh, uh, Hector Oseguera, where do you uh, think this is all headed for New Jersey politics? Can't Will the county line system uh, be broken at some point and um, will we see real uh, political change in New Jersey or uh, just a shuffling of the personnel over the next uh, year or so as this uh, scandal plays out 
Well, I actually have a lot of hope. You know, one of the interesting instances of this whole scandal is that Menendez actually has been threatened with losing the county line, which is a significant split and, and a sign that his power may be waning in New Jersey. You know, as for what comes next, we have that uh, responsibility uh, to try to do our best to organize around these issues. And, and uh, you know, a candidate that ran in the 10th district last uh, cycle ran a poll on what issues are most important to voters. And when you do these polls nationally, you get a lot of kitchen table issues like the economy or unemployment and things like that. But in a congressional district, uh, she did this poll and corruption was actually in the top three issues that are most important to voters. So this is something that a lot of people are really interested in and care about a lot. And in high information elections, that's when progressive candidates have a great opportunity to get people involved and get people registered and make sure that we don't just have a shuffling of the deck or, or uh, a game of musical chairs as, as so often happens, but we actually get some, some significant change and help to bring this whole machine system to an end. Okay, well, we'll have to leave it there. But Hector Oseguera, former New Jersey congressional candidate and anti-money laundering specialist, thank you so much for joining us this evening on WBAI 99.5 FM. Thank you so much.